coming to you live from Wright Bell Studios here on Isle Delfino. This is First to 13, a Super Mario Sunshine Lockout Bingo podcast. And now, here's your host, Modest Tomato. Uh, like I said uh, before the whole stream died, uh, I like that we're committing to the name Wright Bell Studios, I have to say. It, just, it, it sounds is... sort of like Abbey Road, you know? Like like Abbey Road Studios, right? Wright Bell Studios. It's quality. That's all I can say. Uh, but today, we have on a special guest, straight from the dark caves of Division 1. We have Jeff Compass. Yo. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Looking looking forward to, to, to talking uh, some bingo, as usual. Yeah, it's always as good. It to, it's be. always good to talk bingo, um, and it's it's great to have you on, Jeff. You obviously Division One, big big first Division One player on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to figure out when we're going to get the uh, the Vision Zero folks on uh, on on the podcast. But yeah, welcome welcome back Next uh, week, to another maybe, episode. Huh? Officially a longer lived project than Wind Conditions. <laughs> we got there. Congrats, Lego. we got there. We did we we did a second we did a second podcast, which is two more than I thought we would be doing. But you know we're we're here yeah. and we're we're. We're ready to rock, and uh, we got a bit of an action-packed schedule, uh, and obviously, sorry for the technical issues at the start, but let's just dive straight into it. Um, no need to dilly-dally. We've got our name, we've got our topics, so let's uh, let's just dig right in, because a whole week of bingo just went by, and we're uh, needing to unpack what happened, because there's definitely was a lot that happened. Um, so why don't we get started with uh, the uh, the elephant in the room, or rather the samurai in the room? Samu went two and zero this week in Division One, which included a win over Ramado. Ramado dropping to seven and two. Um, this puts Samu right like in with the head to head in first place, or rather not in first place, but uh, in second place. Yeah, and you can you can see uh, that popping up uh, right there as I'm checking the. Uh, the playoff situation, courtesy of Mason. Thank you so much for uh, uh, for for putting that together. But that yep. Ramado match was definitely a really really interesting match to to both watch as well as for its implications for uh, week seven and eight. Um, I know Jeff, you were commentating it. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. So Samu's start was strong. He showed up, and I remember Bianco was strong, and there was. A lot of synergies with Delfino Blues. Um, he did one Bianco Shine and set up for the Delfino Blues and picked did some Delfino Shines after that. Um, and Ramado rushed three Delfino Reds, which is probably one of his weakest starts we've seen this tournament. Um, and yeah, I mean, Samu was just prepared. Uh, he, he had a failsafe for pretty much anything Ramado did and I don't think Ramado's start was strong, and after being sniped to both three Fruit Ladies and fifteen Delfino, you're you're hurting. And there were there were ways Ramado could have won. Of course, it was not over, but yeah, it, it was it was tough. Uh, I think Samu just had the better of the two routes. I think this this match may have lit a fire under Ramado. We're seeing this week he is 
scrimming again. He's like scrimmed five times since the Samu match, which I think maybe was a little bit of a wake-up call, just dropping the match to both Trey and, uh, uh, not Trey, uh, Sid and Samu. Just, uh, you know, telling him like, yeah, you know, I've been doing 80% recently. I've been doing 96 shines, 79 shines, but I, I think it, t- it told Romato I need to be practicing, and I think his next few matches are going to be tough, um, but I think he mm-hmm. is probably thinking about trying to quote-unquote return to form. I think he realizes he's a little off his game recently, and I think his mm-hmm. next two matches, Romato's going to show up with something to prove. Yeah, I really want to touch on, because you you identified sort of the strength of Bianco on that card, and I want to dig into that a bit more, right? Samu obviously started Bianco for Floodless in that match, um, was sort of like doing Fruit Ladies, like got Banana Lady done sort of ahead of schedule, right? And then transitioned pretty cleanly into finishing out three Fruit Ladies um, into 15 Delfinos, and it felt like Romato after that point was sort of playing catch-up with like a blues-focused game. Um, and sort of didn't respect the initial threat of, like, Samu committing to 15 Delfinos post three Fruit Ladies, because there was, like, this moment in the opening minutes of the match where, like, okay, Romato gets sniped, but then he finishes, tries to finish 15 Delfinos anyway, but then Samu clicks it uh, ahead of time, and essentially Romato then feels forced into sort of a a blues rush. He tries to go for 20 for 2 in Pinna, right? Like, he, like, Romato gets first to Pinna, Gets click 16 pinna blues, but then is stuck sort of getting four more blues, uh, which slows him yeah. down enough to lose like five from the back hoverless. And then he's trapped into doing this valueless, uh, you know, lily pad no fruit clipping shine, which he wins ahead of, of Samu. But that's a shine that literally provides no value for him because he's already completed it. Meanwhile, Samu gets an extra red coin. Um, uh, which sets him up to threaten six reds later on in the match and makes, you know, makes Romato have to defend it. Um, and then Samu commits, obviously, the final call to commit to Hundreds in the Secret and Bianco. Romato, like, has left up 20 from 2 this whole match, trying to close it out. And it, it ends up being that, that it's just too much at that point for, uh, for Romato to really come back from. Um, and Romato, like, I, the, the other thing I want to touch on is Romato's delays during that match were uncharacteristic. I, looking back at them, I was thinking about sort of like the delays on on Eel, right? Or rather, the Eel was rough, as it were, but there were a number of delays in the match um, that, uh, that, that ended up, like, not providing a ton of information. Um, I think, like, one of the most characteristic ones that stuck to me, there was eight from one on the card. And Samu and and Romato like clicks pin a Shadow Mario and two hiddens one level like in sequence to each other, and then doesn't click eight from one, um, which to me was sort of like okay, are you do you not trust Samu to put together the fact that yeah. you just clicked eight from one with pin a, or you click two hiddens one level with pin a Shadow Mario and you don't have eight from one? It, it just felt felt uncharacteristic from uh, the Bingo Goat, as it were. I don't know. I, well, the way I see it is that. Like, the start, people like to say how, like, for example, in the invasion format, right, start start means everything, right? But even in something like Lockout, if you're a Mato and all, the only thing you have over Samu is these three Delfino reds because you lost to Bianco Progress and you lost to uh, Delfino Blues and Fruit Ladies, like, not only are you playing catch-up the whole time, you also need to play for more goals at that mm. point. 
Yeah. Which, and it's just so much harder because you need to win at that point. What, it was like 4-1, I think, after a couple mm -hmm. clicks? So if if you need to win 12 goals and your opponent only needs to win 9, right? That just yeah. from a numbers perspective... And again, like comebacks do happen because people like build up different setup and have leads to different goals. But at that point, Romato really had no lead to anything. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the, the the three reds uh, play was, I think, just not strong. Um, I talked it over with a few people who agreed with me. Um, there were no pipes on the card, which lily pad and grass pipe will give you. There were no sheer delfinos. I think it was like 12 delfinos with blue traits, which, you know, still still a good goal. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Reds, it was like three reds and six reds. So, while that is important, um, you know, it's, it's not the greatest reds card we've seen, and gelato wasn't good either, and you may think, why does gelato matter too much? Three reds into gelato can be a fine play. Uh, you do it with Underbell, and mm -hmm. you can be at five shines and be there right away. Gelato did not provide much, if at all. So it just felt like a play that, combined with Fruit Ladies, was was just anemic through the start, in my opinion. Um, and just it just could not. Samu getting both Bianco reds um, and the Delfino blues was just it was just too much almost for Armado to overcome. And granted, he almost brought it back, but it was it's tough from there. And I mean, I think what's also interesting is mm -hmm. how this is going to affect, like, as we said, you know, now Ramado technically in third place, which yeah. I don't think coming into the season, right? Would right. you guys have called this? Like, I, I know I would not have. No, definitely not, right? Uh, and we and everybody sort of acknowledged that Samu had the chops to really compete in bingo. Um, and mm -hmm. but I, I think there's still sort of like this discounting of, of Samurai Man uh, in in the scene that I think is is really being put to rest here. Samu's been on a tear, scrimming a lot lately, has really been putting up some fantastic results. Um, and Ramado, like you mentioned, is going into two really hard matches to close out the season. He's going to be playing Shadow Mario uh, 27, the, the number one ranked player, um, and is going to be playing Danny, who is sort of like a mental block for him, uh, as, as the joke goes. Um, uh, Romato and Danny have a pretty long history with each other, and Danny's also the presumptive of fourth place uh, currently in the rankings. Um, so it'll be... It's going to be a tough, tough two weeks for Romato um, coming down to the end of the season. So will will the Romato of lore show up, or will Romato continue to, uh, to, to play sort of these, these rough... Uh, these rough, uh, uh, rough matches. And I think the thing is, as well, is you look at last season, right? You look at you look at the first season of the league. Romato, for the most part, was very untouchable. Uh, he lost to Larvi um, in in a pretty off match for him, granted. Um, and just Paper Ario was not really you know, that was usually like the second place. He he kind of wasn't playing to the top of his level. Had a few forfeits, from what I remember, and. Um, it was just, I, I think Samu has improved a ton since last season, so I, I think back then it was just the gap between Romato and Samu was a bit much for top two, um, even uh, at least then, nowadays, obviously Samu has improved quite a lot, um, and I just think maybe mm -hmm. Romato got a bit complacent almost, saying like, yeah, I'm not really being 
challenged here. Um, you know, bingo season starts, didn't scrim that much, like I said. So I think I think the people are catching up is the main thing. And I think Ramado's gonna have to start uh, playing at the top of his level again with scrims and things like that. I think that's a that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um uh I, I don't think it's I don't think anybody is saying to count Romato out though. Um no, of course, Romato of course. is still <laughs> one of the most dominant forces in 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 bingo and especially as we enter playoffs right like best of threes Romato has shown sort of immense uh fortitude in um and so i think it would be it'd be a little premature to say this is the end of Romato's reign but definitely a few cracks in the throne uh as the expression goes um so anything anything else jump out at you guys for division one this week that that was sort of the big story for me. I think was the Samu Romato match. Uh, I'm trying to think of any Division One matches that are like out of the ordinary. Um, there were definitely some good matches uh, this week. I don't have any that outright pop out to me. I don't mind moving on to the others unless you you guys have something that I am forgetting. Uh, I see it the same way. I think we're like kind of a. The dethroning of the king kind of takes the cake mm-hmm. here for the storyline this week, yeah. but you never know, right? Like, sort of over. This yeah. is his chance to prove. It himself. sort of overshadows the rest of rest of what went on, right? Danny notching a win over Pogo is is pretty big, right? Mm-hmm. Larvy getting a win over Bry, same sort of deal, right? But it all sort of fades in the background to this this particular Ramada result. But I think we're able to move on to Division Two here, um, and another. Uh, player making a bit of a tear. PK on a three-win streak entering week six um, after sort of a, a rough start to the season has notched like three pretty significant wins um, all in a row. Uh, he got a win against Elias, he got a win against Mason, and he got a win against Linky. Yep. Um, playing game and Tober um, in these next, uh, in this weekend even, um, do you think PK, do you think the PK of legend has arrived or do you think that, uh, this is a, this is just a momentary blip of success? Uh, I mean, I think at the start of the season, there was pretty broad consensus that PK was underperforming his expect expectations. And I think his results also, you know, kind of reflected that he had really close matches with a lot of, uh, games what i know jumps out to me is his match against peaches in invasion which i know isn't pk's strongest format and he still kind of went off um so i think that's worth pointing out uh i i think what we're i think his match against tober is going to be really important like can he win because tober's like this very strong player he's what top four i think currently so proving himself against Let's grab Tober. The, let me grab the sheet here. Yeah, is key. Uh, Tober is Tober's in top four right now, six and three um, uh, record. Again, another very strong player um, entering these last couple weeks. So definitely will be a tough opponent for for PK. Yep. Yeah. So my my criteria for looking at a bingo player, I look at three separate things. I look at routing ability, and this is a little weird but this is just how I personally do it. I look at routing ability, I look at gameplay, I look at execution. I think PK is probably the best router in Division 2. Um, it can easily route in Division 1, and I think that is his strongest suit. But when you get to like more of the, I think, execution 
it, it becomes a little tough sometimes. I think I think we've seen PK. Well, he does have some pretty good wins so far. Is is having a few vulnerabilities um, that were exposed early in the season. Um, and I think for the most part, maybe just playing more matches, uh, just back to back. He's just starting to get on that groove with executing the routes that he's able to come up with. Um, the, the route against Mason was by far one of the best Div 2 matches. Um, just a really clean route. And I, I think his execution level was, was untested for the most part, just because doesn't do a lot of scrims, um, really. And just getting on that train, getting the ball rolling in these Division 2 matches, I think, I think having a, a rough start and picking up steam as the season goes is very fair for a, a player the likes of PK. So um, his next match should be interesting. I think Tober is pretty favored against PK, honestly, um, especially because it's Invasion. And Tober is really good at Invasion, in my opinion. That is his best format. Um, and game, probably more even, um, but PK's favorite in that, I would say. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I think he will be a scary player if he makes playoffs. And even if he's 7th or 8th somehow, he, he might just have the potential to climb all the way up to the top 2. Can I ask about your criteria? Uh, because you say you split it into routing, gameplay, and execution, yes? Yes. So can you explain sort of like what's contained in gameplay as opposed to execution? Because like, just looking yeah, at that. It, uh, so yeah, I, I've, so gameplay is just speed. It's mm -hmm. your 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 times. Granted, you can't really judge a bingo player by their any percent times or one twenty times, but it's just a general sum. Um, just maybe from what I've seen in their streams, in their matches, um, and what we know about them, like we know. JJ, for example, has a low 114, can 113. Um, mm. Routing, I essentially look at prior history and legacy within bingo. Um, I think you get a, a pretty clear picture of who is the greater routers, like Guy is one of the best routers of all time. Um, and that just comes from legacy and what I've seen in matches. Keep in mind, I am a commentator on a lot of matches, so this is where I kind of build these these criterias, I've just seen so many of almost everyone's matches by now. Um, and execution is, like, the type of thing where it's, like, you can be, um, like, you, you can have great gameplay, you can be a great router in theory, like, like you could have these amazing scrims, right, like PK, um, and show up in matches and your nerves are overtaking you. All of a sudden, you're, you're doing, you know, maybe not a great play. You're, you're choking. So that's what I mean by execution, really, is how well you can take advantage of your two strengths um, and really show that you have those two, despite, you know, what your legacy and prior stats may say. Interesting. It, yeah, I think everybody builds these mental models of how they want to evaluate players, and it's always interesting to, like, dig into what, because everybody values different aspects of gameplay and, and bingo separately. And, and bingo is pretty unique in that it taxes 
uh, all of these different matrices, you know, all these different axes upon which you can evaluate your own play, whether it's technical ability, whether it's mid-game decision-making, whether it's mental fortitude, right? Like, everything gets put together and blended into that discussion of what makes a really strong bingo player. Um, and it's interesting to see, right, like, the, you know, you could put forth the thesis, right, that PK's performance early in the season may be attributed to, like, nerves or, right, like, you know, inability to play under pressure, right? Or like, you know, when the when when you're in a scrim, it's different from when you're because he's PK is definitely a scrim monster, um, very scary opponent in scrims, but just wasn't showing that until now. He's hidden in his groove, the 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 chains are off, and he's he's really going to the races. Um, speaking of someone else who's going to the races, um, Gravity Beetle had a big win this week that was a over match. MD Mason eighty five, which was sort of the uh, the sort of the the presumptive second place leader um, in Division Two at the time still is with a seven and two record. Don't get me wrong, but that was a huge win for GB, um, and and has really complicated the playoff picture more than a little bit. Um, I thought that that match was was uh, pretty great for for GB, all things considered. That was a crazy match. Just like even like implications aside. This is the biggest comeback we've seen in so long. Like, yeah. remember, the score was at one point six to one in goals, and GB won via regular lockout. And him just leveraging this sort of win condition in Mason a little bit, like over focusing it, just like GB was very much able to take advantage of that and get to thirteen goals just in time before Mason finished his connect five with Pientissimos. Yeah, that was that was. Um... That was one of the best matches I think I've ever seen GB play. Um, it, it looked so over, like it looked really rough in the start, and that that comeback was insane. But what it came down to was middle goal was Delfino Rocket GB. I don't know if he, he said he didn't really intend for this, but he got like three of the five goals in that row, um, and Mason just felt like he had to rush Delfino Rocket nozzle and had one shine in Pinna at the time, and had to get to 30 shines. Meanwhile, while Mason's doing all that, GB like kind of set up for it, but started using that time period to, to work on his two from seven, to work on uh, just some other goals on the card. And it was, it was even if he didn't attend it, it was a great bait, because Mason spent the whole match just trying to get that, that uh, Delfino rocket, and it, it just gave GB perfect time to get back into the game. Yeah. Yeah, and and we yeah, I think that's a great way of summing it up, right? And like it sort of blends back to Connect 5 being a format that's often perceived as favoring the speedy side, right? GB definitely not the the winner of speed in in that matchup against Mason, but was able to sort of exploit the format's unique quirks to uh to pull himself ahead. I did mention that 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 uh that win over Mason did complicate the playoff picture. Well, it complicated it for everybody else. There's one person who is very happy with that particular result. Peaches is the only player in the SMS Bingo League to have a clinched buy. Again, thanks, Mason, for running these numbers. Yep. I would have had no idea otherwise, but King. Peaches has a confirmed buy entering playoffs, um, which is huge. Now, Mason, GB, and Tober have all clinched their spot in the in the playoffs uh, running, uh, but to have a buy 
one less best of three to play for Peaches, that's got to be huge entering entering into the last two weeks of the season. A little bit of the pressure's got to be off. Obviously, Peaches probably wants two buys, wants to get uh, both uh, both of the potential buys here, but still is a it's a pretty big uh, big win to get. It's also a pretty big ask for anyone to, like Peaches needs to lose twice and to Mason. Or Peaches would need to I think lose all three matches to not get the double buy. And then losing a tiebreaker or something. So, like, Peaches yeah. is looking very strong uh, at the top of and Division 2. It's what an 8-0 record yeah. is. And I don't, I don't know if anyone saw it coming, honestly. Like, uh, Peaches is just, he's playing really well. Um, and just, he was last year, you know, Div 3. And I remember his early matches didn't, didn't really look to be that strong. And I think even going into this season, people thought he'd be in, like, the lower half of Division 2. But... Is almost like is almost playing at a you know close to a div one level. Probably isn't there yet, um, to be honest. But just is is just climbing the ranks. It's just becoming almost as good as you know Mason and GB who've been playing the game for for years. So huge shout outs to Peaches. Just insane work he's put into the game. I don't understand all the Peaches doubters, right? Ever since ever since me and Peaches played, even though he rushed four from Pianta and like <laughs> did a horrible route and lost, like at that moment I was like, Peaches A is super dedicated to improve, and B he's a genius and he's good at the game. So uh, he's he's got it all, right? All the ladies are swooning. The, the... Like, the correct confluence of, of factors, I suppose. Yeah. G- games and the giant Peaches, a Division Two story. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Peaches is uh, playing... Uh, well, Peaches has already played game, so there is no game in the giant Peaches. But there is game. the giant Peaches versus Elias and Rasmus this weekend. Um, you know, two pretty key matches. Elias has shown the capacity to surprise, so has Rasmus. Um, so maybe they'll they'll pull off the upset, but I think the big one to keep an eye out for is definitely the week eight Mason versus versus Peaches is going to be probably one of the deciding factors of of uh, uh, maybe not for necessarily Peaches' playoff chances, but Mason this, this maybe end up being a must win for him to uh, uh, to get a buy. Yeah, and I, I would I would I want to say like don't count out Rasmus. I think you know probably one of the lesser talked players in division two but if we we've seen him uh show up in some matches this season uh just i think the one that comes to mind is the one against tober yeah uh, with this really strong route um and i i think i think honestly like peaches could lose to to to, to rasmus here um whether or not it happens you know that's left to be seen but i i think that peaches has a very realistic shot at maybe getting a loss somewhere between uh, Mason and Rasmus. Um, Elias, I think, can out-route him, but it, it may... That's one of the matches where it just becomes a little tough just in terms of, of skill gaps and speed and all that. But I, I think I think he doesn't have this, this clinch, but I think he's on a very good trajectory right now. Yeah. No, Peach is definitely looking strong. <laughs> yeah. Very exciting. The, the landscape in Division 2... 
changing ever by the week. So definitely don't miss these week, week seven matches. They're going to put a lot more into clarity. Um, but speaking of clarity, uh, Division three is about as clear as mud, but there is one clear point. That that transition was great, by the I'm, way. I'm nobody, proud. nobody's allowed I'm to proud. talk shit about that. Um because I and nobody can talk shit about Tom Dollars. Um now seven and one, uh won his last seven matches in a row, beat Wild Jeff in a nail biter. Yeah. Is there anyone that can stop Tom Dollars? I will say and Tom in Division uh, does have the losing record to Libre. From that one week one match that he did game over in. Yes. Uh, yeah, but you know that's that, that yeah, makes it that's more far in the right? past. Like he, yeah. His loss is not even like I mean we don't know how that match would have played out, but it was just as far as we know, it's just because he game over in the first like ten minutes or something. Like that's that's, yeah. that's kind of puts yeah, it in, don't know. in perspective. Like his loss is it's a loss, of course, but it's not like you know we really uh, got to see how that match would have actually played out. Uh, I will say Tom definitely has difficult matches ahead, specifically Dex and Jukatox. Dex, I think, one of the most improved players in Div 3A, from my understanding, and has mm-hmm. kind of been doing very well. And Juka, again, mm-hmm. number one, seven and one as well. Um, so a lot of potential for... Like, this is, this is I think, Tom Dollar's real test, whether he can consistently yeah, put up that Yeah, he's out show. of the... Yeah, and... Uh... You know, and and like the the picture right now, I think in Division Three is sort of between the haves and the haves haves nots, um, as it were. Um, you've you've got sort of a pretty clear division, and despite the fact that not everyone's got a clinched playoff berth at this point, um, there's a pretty clear picture for playoffs too, right? Both Division Three and Division Three uh, B have five players that have clinched playoff berths, mm-hmm. and they are the top five. Um, uh, right now. Um, there's sort of this middle core of people fighting for the remaining three. Um, and then obviously you've got people sort of uh, um, hunting for their first win or maybe only having one win that could still like make a pretty big late season run. Um, so with the with the playoff picture starting to really crystallize here, is there anybody that you think like, uh, is there any particular matchup you're looking to see or looking forward to entering... Uh, uh, entering the playoffs because that's the first time we're going to see Division Three A clash against Division Three B. I think there's a lot of potential for interesting matches. Again, I can't like call a match because again, like they're very specific and no like no individual placement is really decided yet. Uh, especially from like five to eight, but I am curious to see those who are sort of in the middle core fighting for playoffs, like how they can do against sort of the bottom of the top of uh, the other division. So players like KO Mojungo against, say, I guess, Wild Jeff and Yato, and vice versa for Darkman and Jail versus, theoretically, me and Pinkish if the standings stay as they do. But there's still a lot of potential for movement. Yeah, um, yeah Div 3 I'm... is, is uh, very interesting because... We have the current standings, right? But when, when these players scrim, we get some we can get some wild results like Libre beat Urbani in a scrim and Urbani is, you know, undefeated in his individual division. Dex and did as well. Yeah. Dex and Dex as well. And Dex, you know, Dex is showing some teeth. He he almost yeah. won against Mason in a in a scrim, believe it or yeah. not, the other day. And it, it pretty much just came down to a few uh, gameplay mistakes at the end from what I remember that costed him. So Dex is a lot scarier than 
I think his his current place of four in the standings is 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 working. Sure. And then we have we have people like Cow Cow. I'm so bad at pronouncing his name. I'm sorry. Um, who Ko? You know you, you yeah. Ko. Okay, 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 okay. So Got you. you look at <laughs> you look at his like record, and you may think like, oh yeah, maybe not the most insane player, but he has wins against like some of the top Div three players in scrims and can probably yep. just take that yeah. to the playoffs if he can uh, clutch the, spl- the spot. So I think the scrims will paint a very uh, clear picture of how um, Division III it might pay out when um, the, the two divisions uh, cross. Yeah, but I, again, I think there's also a difference in mentality in scrims versus a match, right? You can't sort of discount sort of the... You know the the pressures of a of a live match environment. Of course, these will mostly be in best of threes. So you're also sort of looking at the mental the mental fatigue of a of a best of three and sort of having to be forced off of formats you may be strong in, formats you may be weak in. Right? Like there's there's a lot to a lot to touch on there. And you also mentioned Urbani, right? Like um, I think it's also yes, he Urbani's undefeated right now. But even in this match against Mojungo this week. Urbani was looking vulnerable. Like there was, there was, there were times during that match where Mojungo could have, could have like pulled out a pretty big upset. Um, it just didn't really break his way by the end there. Um, and so, you know, seeing scrim results as as like some Division three players from three A are facing off against Urbani and are notching like not maybe you know sometimes wins, sometimes pretty convincing, uh, pretty convincing plays uh, of themselves, right? Like it just it's it's making the playoff picture all the more interesting as we transition out of league play into the uh, into the bracket stage. Yeah, definitely curious to see how sort of the up and comers in their divisions who are trying to like reach that top echelon do in playoffs. And also, of course, the clash between the divisions. See, as the Division 3B podcast, we can clearly say, you know, we are the better division. No questions to be asked here, but <laughs> clearly, uh, maybe we'll have to an- maybe we'll have to answer that question another episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to get a two v two podcast, a two v two lockout bingo podcast. Yeah. <laughs> get get some Division Three A reps on here. I think that that's the plan. Sounds- but yeah, that that covers that covers the three divisions um, and sort of your week six recap um, uh, for this week of the Bingo League matches resume this Wednesday um, at uh, two p.m. Eastern, eleven a.m. Pacific, um, over on I believe we'll probably start on Bingothon. That's how we've done it uh, these past couple weeks, but uh, definitely check those out. Yeah, and, and so now we can transition over Jeff. Uh, as we as we mentioned, you're our special guest. Yep. And as is tradition on the first to thirteen podcast, our guest comes up with a topic for the middle segment. Yep. Um, so Jeff, what is your what are what are we discussing? The tradition of all right. all two episodes. The tradition. The tradition. <laughs> hey, it's two episodes now. It's officially a tradition. Yeah. So we get what, there. what I what I thought I could bring to the table, um, first and foremost, is Im- improvement. Um, how you improve as a bingo player, um, how you start out, how you you keep pushing on, because I, I think something that um, was really strong about me as a player was I think I had a very quick path of just improvement. Um, I started out playing bingo 
uh, the regular lockout tournament where I was essentially a Div 3 level um, and Yo, didn't, awesome. didn't necessarily... <laughs> Yeah, didn't didn't necessarily have um, the greatest of times until uh, the league started last year, and from there it was it was clear to me that I was improving at at bingo at a at a rate I was pretty happy with. Um, some people were saying I could have maybe played in Div One at the start of last season. I was considered um, when Reed dropped out, um, and it, it I wanted to like think about like because I have a lot of people from Division Three. Um, ask me like how how did, did you improve um like where like they ask for advice um and i wanted to kind of like i guess just talk talk about that um now granted you know myself in division one not no i'm not really playing it the way i'd like to um you know definitely not super proud of my uh results and it, it's it's a little upsetting how the season's gone so i'm not saying i'm like a bingo god or anything um but you know, looking at when you look at all the like the new players, just wondering how you you improve and how you get your foot in the door. Um, my main advice, and this is something I think cannot be understated, is scrim. If you want to improve, you just need to scrim. And I think there's this kind of like fear almost of playing players who are better than you is something I've noticed in scrims. Uh, and it's something I have generally tried to encourage to newer players is if someone, like, I know there are people in Division 3 who ping the scrimmer role and, like, Bry Guy, for example, will be like, hey, let's scrim. And they're like, oh, 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 oh man, I'm scared. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, it's, it's, it's important to take that scrim. It's very important to take that scrim because yeah, you yeah. will do a match and you will see what they do and how you could have done it better. I, I like I personally, mm-hmm. even back then, don't find a lot of gain from scrimming like you know players you maybe are better than like significantly. Um, and you can sit there and route cards all day, right? You can look at bingo sync and you can route cards, and th- you know that that can help you a little bit. But you need to get that experience and to get the fundamentals down. Um, and just being involved in the community in general, I think is something, um, I did like a million commentaries last year. So even if you're not commentating the match, um, you, you, you can watch it and kind of talk with chat about it. There, you know, people are always going to respond commentators. You can listen to what they have to say. Um, and I think you can develop that, that basis of, of routing. But I think the main thing you should be doing is just scrim like, like if you're if you are passionate mm-hmm. and you have the time, I know some people do not have the time or just want to do this more for fun. Just scrim and scrim people who are better than you. You will learn a ton from it. Last season, um, I scrimmed everyone in Division One almost. I scrimmed Danny. I scrimmed Larvy like ten times. Mm-hmm. And you know, at first my matches against Larvy, like I I lost. I lost every match against Larvy. But eventually, like. You learn how to play a Division One player, and suddenly, like mm-hmm. you, you start playing at that level almost. If you can learn to play with them, and you talk to them after the match, say like, "What mm-hmm. did you do?" You learn their starts. Um, so that's that's the main thing. Like, just you gotta scrim, yeah. and you gotta scrim people who are better than you. Like, you don't have to, 
Uh, but that I find but it helps. Yeah, it definitely right. It definitely right. Playing playing up to playing up to a stronger opponent's always great. Um, my, I think one of the problems that I've experienced, um, or one of the things that that weighs on my mind when I'm thinking about scrimming as a mode of improvement, is scrimming is a two way street, right? Not only are you trying to get something out of it, but you're also trying to give something to your opponent as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like you aren't playing against a vacuum, right? There's there's lots of ways you can you can work on your bingo skill. You could run ILs, you can run category extensions, right? There's a lot of like really relevant category extensions um, that are at least tangent to bingo, For right? Sure, like yeah. there's even memes like like all M's, right? But that's like basically a Serena whenever practice, practice yeah. right? And blue locations, um, you know. There's yeah, there's like there's like ten shines, no shines, or twelve shines, no shines that involves collecting a lot of blues, right? Or like and like fast blues or relevant blues in levels um, that also sort of can be adapted. There's all hundreds, right? Stuff like that, right? But in all of those, you're competing against yourself, right? You're competing against yourself and and the game, right? But in a scrim, right, you're scrimming against another person who's who's don't giving their time and energy to help you improve, and you also want to give them something that they can use to help work and improve. And one of the problems that I feel like as a very slow player relative to my peers and even division three is, am I providing enough of a, of a value to that faster player to that better player to make it worthwhile to scrim me? Um, and I think back to like, uh, one of the first scrims that I did, which I think was against Juan. Right. Um, and, I basically got blown out in a row control match, like with a nine goal route, and I only clicked two goals. And it was valuable to me, but I don't know if it was really valuable to to Juan, right? And that sort of always weighs on me when I'm thinking about scrims: is how can I make sure that I provide like the the type of uh, opponent or an opponent that will provide value to to who I'm scrimming with. Uh, that's definitely something I worry about too. I know last season I was like, I knew like I'm the guy who's predicted to go 0 and 7. Like, I'm just worried that you know all these better players are just gonna stop me and that they're gonna be upset because they wasted their time. But uh, this season I don't know. I've scrimmed a couple Div One players like Jeff, like Samu, like Bry, and you know even though the matches weren't necessarily particularly close, like I think in some cases like. Even my opponents were able to gain a little bit from it, uh, and I definitely yeah. learned a lot. Like, definitely still have that notepad of all of Bry's comments after a match. Big shout out, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Um, and in Lego mentions the the categories, which is something I want to touch on, like category extensions. Um, speed is very weird in SMS because there's like there like pe- you may look at someone's any percent time and just think they are stupidly fast um but there are there is so much more to this game than eight percent shines um there are blues routes there are hundreds there are like 120 esque shines there are hidden reds hoverless there are so many things that bingo covers um that any percent will just never ever cover um and i think that two players who have any percent speeds like Someone who has a 118 versus someone who maybe even has a 115, but is more focused on the any percent side of things, um, just doesn't do a ton of other categories. That 118 person, if they have 
the like I'm kind of referring to myself that <laughs> bingo good. like speed where you know I and that's something I did to get better. I grinded ten shines, no shines. I grinded every bingo IL on the sheet, um, and it, it's it's really something that that I cannot understate. Like I don't think you can just do any percent and expect to get better at bingo speed. You need to do some. Like, the category extensions are so good for improving at bingo. Like, there are some players I know who they are good at routing, but their their gameplay maybe just not always the cleanest. And sometimes that can be the, the missing puzzle piece, right? Like, you, you give them 10 shines, no shines. You tell them grind, get a sub 25 or or something. And suddenly, like, they're able to do these, these blues routes really quickly. And it, it, those are all, like, the missing puzzle pieces, right? Like... Your routing, your execution, you know, you want to work on that. You, you do scrims. You need to work on your gameplay. You think you're a great router. You know, you take a week off. You work on your 10 shines, no shines, all hundreds. You just do some ILs. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the puzzle as well. But I, I do think that gameplay is not as important as, as the routing side of it, which is why I still prioritize the, the scrimming. Um, but yeah, those are like the two general things I did to, to improve and... Um, as I am in Div 1, I don't know if, you know, those old tricks of just spamming scrims will help me improve at this point. You know, I've still got my own bit of a journey to go. Uh, like I said, not super thrilled with my season. Um, and really curious to see where I can go from here to improve and maybe be a stronger force in Season 3. But as for my story up to today, I can share with, you know, those Division 3 players and just anyone looking to get better, like that's my that's my words and tips. Like, you know, do some scrims. Just be active in the community, and it will happen with time. You know, so that's that's how that's how I view it. And ask questions. Like, ask questions. Like, no one no one will shame you for asking a question unless it's stupid. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would a hundred percent agree with that. This, you know, don't want to toot the horn of the bingo community too much, but I think that this is one of the one of the I, I think this is like every every person says this about any community that they're embedded with, but this is the most welcoming, inclusive community that's always able to answer questions. But like everyone's in everyone in in almost any chat where bingo's going on um, is talking strategy, is talking uh, is talking like what what routing decisions are going on, like what they would do, how they would react to 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 various things. There's just a lot to absorb. Right. And and I think you mentioned like commentary being a great way to do it. Watching matches is a great way to do it. Right. Like uh, there's so much theory behind bingo, which is like part of the impetus of having this pod podcast. Right. Is part of the impetus is to like try to consolidate and formalize in more ways and in more avenues the rich knowledge that exists right and we just haven't had the opportunity or the space to really translate it from our heads onto spoken word or into written word right um you know even thinking like critically about about your own play right like i know jeff you you had a practice that i've also adopted where after every scrim and every match you're like in a notepad you're writing notes about like how the match went, what decisions you made, how you felt like you could do better, right? It's just like a good exercise to go back and think about uh, you, the the match that just happened, right? Maybe with a little bit of distance afterwards and really look at it from a different perspective now that the actual gameplay is behind you. Yeah, like you do a match, it, it's it's really match, scrim, anything. It's really good to learn from it. Um, it it's good to know 
what you did wrong. It's good to know, you know, what you can improve on. Um, you know, I one of the players who I think has improved the most, and I, you know, I don't like to call people out, but Mr. Yato has improved so Tell much, him. and I am so proud of him. Um, he he's. You know, last season, you know, he did some matches, and I don't think he he learned from some of these matches, right? And that's not a shot at him. I understand we all got lives, we all got things going on. Um, it's it's totally understandable. But this this season, um, you know, a few people and himself who's just been doing a lot of scrims, he started learning like how really can fast. I improve? Yeah. <laughs> what did I? What was I doing wrong that caused me to lose some matches last season? And has suddenly just become like one of the best players in division three so taking you know you could do a million matches but if you're not you know learning or getting anything out of it like you're not you're not going to take away much but if you are sitting there and you you want to learn and you want to say like what what did i do wrong here um you, you look at the card you write some stuff down you ask questions you can ask anyone and like they will say to you this is probably what you should have done instead um, explain how they would have started, how they would have reacted to some clicks. Like the scrims are not just there to play; they're there to learn from, and they're there to teach you lessons. Really. Uh, there's two other things I guess that I think are really important to learning. One of them being watching back your matches if you can. So I know like if you play a scrim, a lot of the time like you might not stream it or something, right? But tournament tournament matches definitely are streamed. So, like, listening to what the commentators have to say, especially because, you know, generally they will be more experienced. They will know what's good on a card or what a good play looks like. Uh, and also, uh, you know, there's just a lot to be gained. You can see what your opponent did. You can see what you did, and you can sort of take a lot from that. But another thing that I know I struggled with when I began bingo last season was just having knowledge on, like, even how to get every goal. Uh, which, you know, might, mm. yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. That's you know, might one. seem kind of trivial, right? But if you have no experience, right, you don't know how to get both bell shines, right? Like, you might not know how to do underbell, you might not know how to do Serena whenever, uh, and also, you not you won't know blues routes, you won't know where 20 blues are available in each world, in which episode, you know? Definitely tried looking for 20 blues in Pianta 3 in my first match last tournament. <laughs> And by the way, Jeff told me after that he thought that was true, you know, that that was possible and that I missed yeah. one. <laughs> so, I, I, okay. <laughs> I, I had this, this is the shot, by the way, Jeff. Season. I know, I know. You're, uh, you're good. No, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, but you're, you're, you're 100% right. You know, the, the, the way goals are written, the way goals are balanced, um, assumes a certain level of baseline knowledge about the game. Right. And like there's there's lots of resources. I know you can check out like the the pinned like helpful resources uh, stuff in uh, in the discord. Right. There's like links to uh, uh, the bingo spreadsheet with corrections by Mr. Uh, Mr. Mike Toilet, Mike uh, uh, Toilet Michael, yep. um, uh, which is a fantastic resource for like understanding when blues are available, what blues are available, what what types of goals exist um, and what you need to do to achieve them. And uh, you know, you put that all together, right? Like you, bingo assumes that you have this this baseline knowledge of where are M's, where are turbos, what are the fast delfinos, what are the 
sort of slow but easy Delfinos, right? Where are the red coins? How can I get the secrets? At what time should I, you know, can I get bosses at, at uh, you know, it, it, even not making the decision about when, when those goals are necessarily good to get. Um, Bingo does sort of demand that you understand that you need to go to 16. For 16 Pianta Blues, you need to go to three. Yep. Um, and that 20 from two will not be achievable in Pianta until six. Um, unless you have Yoshi. I, yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> in which case it's five. And so, um, just building up that internal, uh, internal memory of what goals, uh, of what goals mean and what they, what they do will help your bingo game immensely because then you'll be able to say, oh, I need two turbos. That means I need either Delfino Turbo and Bianco Turbo, or I need to go deep in Rico, or I need to do some whack gelato or or Noki play, right? Like you 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 start to you start to see the goals for what they mean rather than what they're written as. And I think that that's a great way to level up your your bingo play. And two things I have to say about that is I think I think one of the most important examples of that is you look at something like Bianco, like 15 blues from Bianco and 20 blues from Bianco. Like, let's say they show up on the same card. You think... Yeah, that's the quintessential. You're like, oh, that's only five more blues. That's not, you know, that's not too bad. If I'm going to do 15, I may as well stop for 20 blues. Yet, you do those five extra blues. Uh, Maybe you are a little inexperienced at getting them. Um, you, You fall a few times with the rocket or when the wall kicks to get the slower ones. Suddenly, it's a it's a one or two more minute investment, and I think at a baseline, it's about one minute. And you, need and you an think, extra well, too. and you think to yourself, yeah, you know, you need Bianco three, and you think to yourself, well, this is only an investment, right? Like it's it's only a little bit of time just for one gold, but you you'd spend that time doing those blues, um, and suddenly you might be behind to to pin up, um, it's for stopping for those five extra blues. And suddenly from there, you may be behind Inoki if you aren't able to do Delfinos or something to counter it. Um, so it's all about the bigger picture. And, and you're saying, you know, some of the, the, the gameplay-specific things. What I'd like to do is, after a scrim, like, uh, if something does not go well, or any matches, something doesn't go well with my gameplay, um, I like to say to myself, I like to take each individual thing. It can be something as, I die once in Gelato 1R. I will sit there and single that out and practice it just for even five minutes, right? Just to to understand, like, yeah, I died here. This cost me the goal or almost cost me the goal. I don't want to die again. So it's just taking the, the, the bits and pieces and taking away that little time to just refine your gameplay can go a long way, as well as just understanding what those goals mean and how they fit into your route. Absolutely. Yeah, it- yeah, I agree. Um, I also think of like Bianco or, or like uh, Two Hidden Reds Hoverless as like a goal that is the bugbear of Division <laughs> Three, and how it's you know how not knowing what the strats are can make your life exponentially harder. Um, whereas even knowing the strats at a very basic level and playing it super safe saves you inordinate amounts of time, yeah. right? Um, and so. Uh, you know, it again, sort of comes back to, I, I, I think the, the, the way that I've described it to, to some people is I know some people are like big IL grinders, right? They like to grind like a specific IL to completion, 
right? They want to get as they want to basically get it down to absolute perfection that they know like their their limit. Call out. Um, okay. Bingo, bingo is beneficial to that, but it but it is more beneficial to know how to do a bunch of things half-assed than it does necessarily to know how to do one thing very good and uh, a bunch of things not at all, right? And half-assed is sort of the wrong word, right? But, like, putting in, like, 30 minutes to understand, like, a blue route or putting in 30 minutes to understand this is what the hundreds route looks like, like, will turn a six, seven, eight, nine-minute hundreds into a four- and five-minute hundreds, yep. which already is saving you a, a ton of time. Um, just from just from the fact that you know what the route's supposed to look like and you can execute what that what that needs to be. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like some goals, I've seen some players have this really good play before. Um, they make this really strong call, um, but their gameplay maybe just does not back it up. Like they make a call to do something that requires like Rico Four, and they start dying a lot in Rico Four and. <laughs> You know, I'm just trying to think of a very vague example. Um, or, Can you stop you know, calling me out? Hoverless. Like both of you. I I, I, didn't, I don't I know. Died I, I wasn't calling you I died out seven tomato. times in Rico Four in one of my matches, and I'm the guy who grinds Serena eighteen for like twenty hours. All right. Didn't you? Didn't, all right. It's a little personal. I, I didn't. I, I wasn't. I wasn't intending I know, to call I, out your Serena eighteen love. <laughs> but yeah, like gameplay does matter to an extent, um, and just. And I've seen some players come up with, like, a really good call, and then their gameplay maybe just does not account for it. Um, and it can end up taking, you know, 100s can just take, like, seven minutes. And those extra three minutes is just giving the opponent, you know, another goal. So, yeah, it just comes down to some of the knowledge, as you were talking about, and kind of experience and understanding of what you can work on. All very good points, and some great insight from you, from you, Jeff. Especially given, you know, like you said, you're you sort of uh, improved very, you improved a lot very fast, um, uh, which is, I think, gives gives what you're saying some 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 weight. The rest of us will have to try our best to catch up. So <laughs> we'll get. I, I don't know, tomato. Someday. Are we are we getting into Division One? We getting into Division One next uh, next, next season? Year? I don't know about that one. You know, maybe maybe twenty years, uh. but. We'll we'll get there. We'll have to we'll have to set our sights on on the top of Division Three and and being first and second and uh, getting into Division yeah. Two first. I that think. could also take a while. <laughs> we'll see. That may also take a while. We'll see. All right. So let's uh, let's move on to your topic, Tomato, because we've uh, I think we've we've covered improving at Bingo a lot, and I think that this topic's tangent to that as well. Yeah, that's correct. And today's topic is going to be. How much does gameplay or speed matter in a match? And I mean, I think this is something that's kind of tangent to all of us. You know, we're, I think, relatively slow in our divisions for the most part compared to the majority of the field. Uh, I don't know if that's entirely true for Jeff. His any percent kind of do be lowering, but... Uh... Well, well, Jeff's also got an interesting insight on this, right? Because he went from being the speed bully of Division 2 to being... <laughs> essentially speed bullied in division in division one and so he's probably got a, a a good barometer on 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 this particular debate and it's a debate that's as old as time right um it is the uh, commentators talk about it we're talking about it everyone's talking about it you know the speed bullies versus the routing geniuses um 
is is part of it, but it's also how fast can you play versus how well can you play. Um, you know, consistency over over uh, over raw speed. So, Jeff, the, what what are your what are your initial thoughts on hearing this hearing this topic brought up yet again? Yeah, so it, it was really interesting to just be the fast player in in Division Two. Um, it, it was interesting because people often would say I was speed bullying, but there were there were players who were faster than me. Um, Papacino is significantly faster than me. Rick Rex was significantly faster than me, and Electric Miles was faster than me last year. But um, you know, it, part of it comes from that bingo speed um, that I talk about, and you know, kind of going off of those players. You know, they they maybe focus a little bit more at any percent. Um, but moving on to Division One um, and becoming speed bullied, it's it's definitely. It's definitely a challenge to route if you are. How do I word this? It's definitely interesting. It's definitely an interesting challenge to be slow because I don't think that being slow means you can be bad at bingo. You look at one of the players like Bry Guy, um, and Bry Guy is one of the best bingo players um, by far. Now, what I find really interesting, however, though, is. I think that speed is kind of more important than people realize, honestly. Um, and my argument for this is, if you look at who's top, top and bottom in every division, like the top of each division has usually the fastest players near the top. Um, SM27, Samu, Ramado, JJ all have a 114 in any percent. Danny, um, a very Crazy. consistent 115 runner. You look at division two, Peaches is up there. Um, Mason, Tober, um, not a ton of like super fast players. Like, like everyone's kind of like merged together. But Peaches, you know, is, is one of the faster. And then you get to Division Three, which is like Libre, Juca, Tom, all very fast. Um, and Urbani, of course, Mister One Seventeen or One Sixteen. Sorry, don't yeah, don't I uh, do not mean to take his accomplishment. I don't know. So it. I'm not saying, I'm not using that as my argument that speed is, like, that important in bingo, but it made me think, like, is the meta evolving, and are people just adapting to the point where, you know, people's routes are getting good to the point where someone like Bry maybe just doesn't thrive as much as he used to, just because everyone fast is kind of catching up in routing. Um, and I, I don't know, I want to get your thoughts on that, because, like, I don't know if it's just like some kind of coincidence that all the faster players kind of lump together at the top of each division sometimes or is it is it just is there some type of correlation on that and i'm not really arguing one or the other i just it's it's something that just made me think kind of thing so i i'm interested to hear what both of you have to say on that uh i guess i'll go first uh so I think what you're saying with sort of the meta sort of reaching a new limit where everyone's catching out up and routing, I don't know if that's necessarily true across all three divisions. So I can't really speak for Division 1, you know, I'm, I'm a small Div 3 boy who doesn't want to step out of his uh, circle of knowledge here. I can't really speak for that, but I will say that a lot of slower players have been able to kind of thrive in Div 3B, such as myself, Lego, and Juan, who are all pretty solidly in the top five in our divisions. Uh, and Jeff, also comparatively slow in Division 3A, uh, doing solidly. So I definitely think that 
routing is extremely important. <laughs> Arguably a much more important skill to have than speed. Or, or in the sense that, you know, knowing how to tackle a card, like playing for goals on the card, you know, it's, it's definitely a very different place uh, between Division 1 and Division 3. I mean, yeah, and you, you also have... Division 3 has that wide disparity of speed and also knowledge, right? Like, you could you could put forth the thesis that maybe the the indicator of success is is more so time embedded with bingo than than anything else in division three. But then you have sort of standouts like Urbani, like Wild Jeff, who sort of picked it up this season and are doing very well, right? But look at some of the other folks that are at sort of the top of each division. Um, you have uh, uh, Jay Buzzy B, who's sort of returning to bingo after a long time. I think Division 3B exemplifies this a whole lot, right? Mm-hmm. You have Urbani as the standout, but then Jay Buzzy B, Juan, me, and you are all sort of like, uh, are all sort of like have that endemic bingo knowledge, mm-hmm. right? And between you, me, and Juan, we are the slow yeah. boys, um, and we're at the we're at the top of uh, where we're sort of fighting for the the top of uh, of 3B right now. Um, uh, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, right, if you take all else being equal and someone's faster than the other person, as, as Larvi put it, there's some cards where you just get bullied out of whatever you wanted to do. Like, regardless of how great you have this route put together in your head, if the, if the faster player takes a particular goal of, that you were relying on, you're sort of dead in the water. Right, because you can't you can't effectively and you have to effectively route that in as your disadvantage, which means you're already playing at a disadvantage from the get go, right? So like, do you try to play for the goals that you know are strongest, or do you try to work around it and try to fit something together and react mid game? Um, you know, I think you 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 need a lot more routing skill to overcome a speed deficit than you would necessarily need in terms of speed to overcome a routing deficit, if that makes and sense. I th- you think about it as sort of a scale. I think that A pound of speed is worth more than a pound of routing, and I, even though <laughs> the metaphor breaks down. But. And I, I think that's like the most challenging thing for me playing in Division One is I feel like I have the core of good routing, but I feel like playing against some of these faster players, and by the way, I'm not saying any of my matches were lost due to speed. I think I have genuinely gotten outplayed and outrouted in every match I've lost. And I think, you know, I fully respect and admire my competitors. Um, however, I do feel like sometimes being at a speed disadvantage, A, it makes me play a little differently. Now, you may think to yourself, I don't want to try to be first to pinna. And this is something I'm struggling with is like, do I still want to try to contest pinna and progression on this card or do i want to just try to play around it and i did a a scrimmage today against ramado and i tried to just avoid going to pinna Inoki because i just was like i can't win to him against it but i wasn't too far behind for either of them um you know despite some slower things i did i was only about a minute behind Inoki, uh maybe at the end of the game and it, it, it certainly makes you just have to rethink your route um, I play very differently um, as well, whether or not I end up routing a card if I'm the slower fe- uh, player or the faster player. It's almost like a completely different game to me. And something that I actually take away from this bingo season is 
I really want to work on my, my speed. I think to be a good bingo player, to be at the top of my division, while I can do that with routing, I think there's there's part of me that knows I cannot be a perfect router 24-7. I cannot be a perfect human. And I think that having that, that speed to sometimes help you with a once in a while a bad routing decision, once in a while you um, you, you do something that, that maybe you, you shouldn't have. I think having that speed almost, while it's not necessary to be great at bingo, it's, it's certainly a, a helpful tool to help you get through a match. Um, and I, I feel like as time goes on, I think the people who are slower at bingo and the, are probably just going to maybe place a little bit worse than usual just because the fastest players are becoming really good at routing. Like Samurai Man. Mm-hmm. Samurai Man becoming one of the best bingo players of all time, uh, slowly. SM27. Yeah. SM well. yeah. Um, you know, JJ has always been in the talks for maybe being like a top three competitor at some point. Um, and, you know, of course, like Danny, number four right now, um, is very good at levels, is a little slower when it comes to blues, but his level shines are insane. Um, so I think as the meta and I think as time evolves, speed is going to be very important. And I think the slower you are, the better you have to play, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Right, you, you can't afford to make mistakes if you're the slower player, right? You need to, if you're going to have a speed deficit, you need to have the, the gameplay consistency to back it up, right? You can't be taking deaths, right? You can't be, uh, you can't be sort of fumbling your, your flood lists or your hover lists. Hover lists? Um, you, you need to be playing closer and closer to perfection to account for any speed differential, um, which is hard. It's hard to play perfectly. Yeah. Um, it's hard to play even something close to approaching perfectly. Um, but I I, I want to drill in on this a little bit more, right? Like, is a one minute any percent difference really going to make or break a, a Division 1 match? Because, like, if you, if, if you think about it, like, the speed differential in Division 1, right? Like, you can't talk about, like, speed difference without, like, talking about, like, Trey for instance, um, who held world record, like, just like Samu, held world record in, in, in multiple categories, um, uh, and is two and six, right? Obviously notched to win a couple, a couple wins, but, um, is it just bingo knowledge? Will Trey become as cracked as Samu after, like, another season? I think it's, it's interesting to think about how, as the slower player, the onus is on you to outroute your opponent because if if you say I think this is good so I'm going to go for it and if the faster player says I think this is good so I'm going to go for it you will most likely lose and so the the slower player like they need to learn how do I set up you know how do I play for multiple different goals you know uh, even in say in formats like invasion yeah. what is my opponent going to start with and how do I counter it uh and there's huge Correct. questions like that mm-hmm. that um I don't know. I think I think those are going to come into play eventually potentially for Div 1. But I still think I don't know. I think that with any percent times as they are, I think it's not unreasonable to say like I can contest Pinna and Noki, especially if you take the time to do Delfinos. 
But if you have, say, like a 150 player versus a 116 player, <clears throat> uh, it may be a lot more <laughs> difficult to contest Pinanoki, even if you do opt to do faster things. Yeah. Right, yeah, the speed differential in Division Three can be completely wacky, like you've said, yep. right? Like, uh, uh, Urbani has a 116, yep. right? Uh, who easily outspeeds most of Division Three b right? But even then, even then, um, we've seen in matches like versus Mojungo, where there is potential to exploit weaker decision-making, Um uh, and I think that that is a clear indicator to me that consistent play and good routing can overcome a speed differential. That being said, it's not going to happen every time. Mm-hmm. I think speed provides, and I think speed and consistency together provide this this advantage in your back pocket that, like Jeff said, can help sort of shore up a weakness, right? Like if you if you make a mistake, your speed can help you get out of that mistake. It, it If you make a poor routing decision, your speed might make it not punish you as much. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, like you mentioned, the onus is on the, on the slower player to play consistently well and to make the right routing decisions because they don't have that crutch to, to fall back on. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think you can't just look at um, any percent times with some of these things. Like you look at a, I, there are a lot of factors that go into speed. We were kind of touching on it earlier. Um, you look at a player like Larvi. Larvi has like a high 118 or a low 119 on the leaderboards. Yet you you if you judge by his 120 times and just the gameplay and his ILs, easy 116 player. You look at Tober has a 123. Hates any percent, like nothing else in the world. Yeah. Um. Can can probably sub one twenty, honestly, or at least like one twenty one. I don't. I don't know his exact speed. Um. But then there's players like like Rick Ricks. Um. Before he had to drop, unfortunately. Um. Mister one sixteen. But bingo speed wise was not was not too great. So you look at these other variables. You look at is he ILs. You look at. Congrats. Uh, 116, 117. One of those achievements. He's, he's correct. But, he is um, correct. Yeah. They're, and, and as, and as uh, I'm reading in the chat, consistency is huge. Um, and that's going to kind of be interesting to see if the meta ever comes to a point where we are doing, like, did a strats for levels, right? Like, did a is known for doing these, these wild strats that save, like, point one, And it's like, will there ever be a day where... People are going to sacrifice consistency and do lots of insane strats that save almost no time or just really hard strats that save a lot of time. Like Rico 3 Hoverless, Beyblade comes to mind. We've seen a few players go for it. Um, that does save a significant amount of time, but it is very hard and very punishing if... I don't know about very hard, but it's, it's difficult and very punishing if It's you, punishing if you, yeah. if you mess it up, right? Yeah. You know, Lilypad timer glitch is another sort of trick in that category where, like, execution uh, consistency is incredibly valuable, right? And I think to that point, I think I, that answers sort of... That's my position on it, really, is I don't think it's ever going to get to that point. Like, yeah. I was making, like, a joke... Uh, about, like, the year is 20XX, SMS bingo is played to task levels of perfection, and you have to move to be living within the data center where Bingo Sync is hosted in order to be able to click your goals first, yep. right? I don't think we're ever going to get to that point, because I think that 
you're, kind of cool you know, the, the, the hard strats are hard because they are inconsistent, right? You will only get them however many runs, right? Dide is a lord because he just keeps doing attempts and he keeps practicing until he can get the run where everything goes yep. right. You know, if you look at the amount of completed runs that someone like Dide has compared to the number of attempts, uh, it's almost as bad as me. <laughs> and I reset all the fucking time. And I'm terrible at this video game. Um, but that's the thing. And I think that the consistency, I think, ends up being the key here, right? You got to be fast, but if you're, con- if you're inconsistent, you're going to bleed a lot of time to mistakes. Um, and that's what gives a slower player opportunity to take advantage. Uh, if you are fast, but inconsistent, that is, that is very exploitable. And there are, there are people who like, almost as a joke, will say like, oh, what if did I do bingo? He would just be, he would just win. He would just be like... Like he would just he would just be like the best bingo player ever if today would be cracked. But you know, I, I I actually don't agree with that right away. I'm like, obviously, if he put the work in and time, yeah, today would be probably the yeah. best bingo player. Like I do not deny that. Um, if he put the time and effort in and, and really grew to understood it, stand it. But as is, I don't think he would. I I almost think he maybe would like if he didn't put much routing practice in. I don't I don't know if he would win to to many, to many people right now. You know, and I I think the did a play style of maybe going for these small, small time saves and losing, you know, a big amount of time. It's, it's a lot more punishing in bingo where in any percent you, you reset the run. You're like, well, that sucks. Yeah. But I maybe next you rage one. and, and you reset. Yeah. But you go to the next one bingo. Yeah. You, you uh, do some insane you're stuck strat with and you're stuck with it for an hour. Yeah. You do some insane strat and, and fall off and lose 15 seconds, it might just be enough to lose you the game. So I, I, I did this like, I did this like strat for the Rockets, which is, isn't really that hard in Rico against in my match against Mike. Um, and it's really not that hard of a strat, but I still mess it up once in a while. Um, and I timed it after I did like the, the safest strat possible. And I was only losing about half a second um, to me doing the fast Rocket strat optimally. And it made me say like, you know, I, I, I don't care about that half second then. I would rather every bingo I do, I get to that rocket and I don't mess it up. Even if yeah. the strat I was going yeah. for really isn't that bad, I would love to just completely eliminate that possibility of losing time to it. And that's why I downgrade my strats a lot in bingo. I don't like doing stuff like Serenitu Momentum Spin. Okay, Mr. I don't Honey like Skip. the idea of... Honey Skip is not that <laughs> I hard. Kid, I Honey kid. Skip is actually... It, it, it's really not that hard. <laughs> And some, you know, that's kind of different sometimes, but like starting to momentum spin, all it takes is one drop spin. You, you, you probably just lost the whole match. Yep. Yeah. And you, you, yeah. A death in Serena two bleeds oh, so God. much time because it's I such a slow, slow <laughs> secret. Serena two is, 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 is painful. Right. And like, <coughs> I think back to like matches against like Urbani, even I died in Serena two and that wasted a, t- a yep. whole minute. And there were there was more than one click in that match where if I was a minute ahead, would have been able to click him before Urbani did. Yep. Yeah. And you know that that you know one mistake like that can make all the difference, which makes it even harder in this routing versus speed discussion, right? Like consistency for the slower player ends up being so so ter- paramount to to your success. And, and I'm being reminded of Trey versus Bryguy, where Bryguy was in Serena two. Uh, died mm-hmm. in either the middle or the end of the secret. I don't, I don't remember which. And 
you suddenly look at the end of the game where it was a 60 blues race for, for Trey to get a mm-hmm. row. And Bry missed the mark by just two coins. And you think back to that Serena 2, that didn't happen. Trey literally cannot win with that row. It's it's blocked off. Um, so these, these, these mistakes and maybe a lack of consistency and maybe if you go for too hard of strats, um, it could cost you the whole game. It, it really just depends. But at the same time, there's there's aspects like general speed. Like the more you've been playing the game, the faster your inputs are, and that adds up throughout a match, and people may not notice it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Yeah, you you. I think the future of bingo. Well, I think stuff like harder strats being incorporated, people being more optimal and more consistent. I think while those can all improve, what I think the real future of bingo is going to be is going to be the mind games where you need to know your opponent so well that you can expect exactly what start they're going to go for or what goals they're going to go for at a certain time with certain mid-game information and then revealing different information to sort of convince your opponents to go for different goals. I think that's sort of why players like Bry succeed all I'm saying is that when I screamed Bry, like, you guys were in call with me. I was questioning all my life decisions. <laughs> uh, it's true. <laughs> it's that true. did happen. And I think sort of getting into your opponent's head, uh, maybe creating sort of a position where they're forced to play for a goal, uh, different things like that. Uh, I think those may be, like, just kind of counterplaying your opponent is always going to be more important than uh, like saving four seconds in a momentum spin jump on Serena 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which then swings it back towards routing, right, in the mental game and the the asymmetric information game that is lockout bingo, yep. right? Because you're we're, we're, we're playing a game of imperfect information um, that we've constructed on top this 2002 GameCube platformer. <laughs> Right. And and I think like it, it's it's such a unique way of, of thinking about about playing this game. Right. That like not everybody will jive with every aspect of it. Like that psychological aspect may not be something that did even like so uh, to just sort of loop back on this talk of like, would did be a cracked bingo player? Um, uh, did a. I don't think is the type of person that would enjoy nah. SMS. No, I don't think he would either. On a on a on a level, I don't. I just don't think Dide approaches this game or wants to approach this game with that particular mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, this game, uh, rather, this meta game of of lockout bingo requires you to have that and relish that mental aspect of play, it- um, and I think that that's gonna ultimately favor the routers at the end of the day because i think you can if you put in the time and the effort you can improve your speed right yes i put in the time and the effort and i've learned the zen of serena 100s and i have a pretty decent time in that il yeah. now right like you can do that for lots of things in this game um but being able to cultivate your routing knowledge i think will be able to allow you much more success in the in the long term than necessarily having to rely on your speed for forever and, and there are becoming like goals now which are becoming very dependent on gameplay potentially as the metal grows 
Um, I think to the the infinite wall kicks for Lighthouse, uh, Shadow Mario twenty seven. Yep. Could you know he could? I mean, he he didn't necessarily have a great day against Mike, um, but he has the potential to just at any time during the match say, "Okay, I don't care about Pinna. I I I don't feel like doing this. I know my opponent cannot do this before I finish my infinite wall kicks. I'm gonna secure." Like they show, you know, 16 and Pinna or something. I'm going to go secure Lighthouse, maybe do it right away, delay it as they make the progress towards that. There's discussion right now between like the lily pad timer uh, glitch thing. Um, just, just goals like that are, there are some goals which can be completely broken depending on how much time you put in to learning. Um, and that is, that, that becomes, you know, if the, if the meta ever comes to the point where everyone does infinite wall kicks, that is almost like taking away that that routing aspect of that goal. Almost. Does it? I mean, at the end of the day, you're still doing a shine that's slower in that way. And then, again, like you can use that. You can use the knowledge that SM, for example, has these tools. And then you can say, okay, you can do that, but I'll win to Noki. You know? Like, there is still counterplay. Yeah, and I mean, like, sure, from a from a goal balancing perspective, it, it may you know we we view lighthouse, we view lilypad no fruit clipping as these pinna rewards, mm -hmm. right? They're in the same pool as, or they're in the same sort of context as other rewards for pinna progression, right? So then maybe now these goals are considered something different, right? That happens all the time, right? And and that's something that you fix with with the with the balancing aspect, right? Because uh, because the way that way that bingo is balanced, the way that we select goals that 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 we consider to be representations of aspects of bingo skill, right? Or aspects of skill that we value in in the context of of a match, right? Can you collect fifteen fast blues? Can you can you route in seven bluebirds? Can you figure out where you want to get three rockets? Um, you know, there's the the ways that we commonly do them. There's the ways that we uncommonly do them, and and each goal sort of asks of the player, how are you going to fit me into your route, if at all? Um, and I think that 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 skill, that aspect of bingo, is not going anywhere, right? Even if goals become easier to obtain because we discover new tech or we 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 learn new techniques of doing it where we always have that lever of we've built this metagame right the community well we i use that as the in in the community sense right it's mostly romano and mike who are doing the sort of goal setting and balancing but in that sense we as a community have decided that these are the goals that we value um, and we're always going to make sure that, that we continue to have a set of goals to go for that we feel represents a challenging and fun and engaging metagame. So we have that release valve if we feel like raw speed is too valuable, if we feel like you know certain goals aren't achieving their, their intended purpose, we can always tweak it, right? That is the benefit of building this game atop of another game is we have this set of rules that exist. It's called Super Mario Sunshine for the Nintendo GameCube. But we've built another set of rules on top that we have complete control over. Um, and, and we can decide 
as a community what those rules are and how we want to engage with this 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 base template of of uh, this canvas that is Super Mario Sunshine. I, I think like that's the beauty of SMS too, right? Is that you know we were talking earlier like would did they enjoy bingo and you know like the point of bingo is to have fun at the end of the day, right? Like whether it's by like optimizing a certain strategy and learn or learning like lily pad clip with box game timer or whether it's learning infinite uh, wall kicks, you know, or even whether it's just playing your favorite IL for four hours, you know, it's it's all about having fun more than anything else. My, one of my favorite things in, in Bingo, yeah, is it's just doing these ILs um, that don't even really and you can relate to this. Tomato, very much of just very doing much. these ILs <laughs> that that maybe aren't something you're going to do every day like you got your serena 18 which to be fair is, is done fairly often i got my is bianco it? 20 which which you know you don't do that you don't do the choreographed route every match if you do it you're probably going to get some blues and i don't know maybe you get like 10 in bianco 3 or, or you get some during pd or whatever garbage um but one of the things i look back on is like me and gravity beetle were or theorizing like Bianco 500s in a secret. Don't do it. It's it's horrible. But it doesn't ever um, make we sense. We were theorizing it. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's terrible. It's an awful time. It's cringe. But I had a lot of fun like doing the IL. I had way too much fun like routing it, um, doing the IL, uh, even if it was the most like brain thing I ever did. So yeah, everyone will always get different enjoyment out of things. And that's the beauty of SMS. Yeah, that's. That's the beauty of SMS and of, of Bingo in particular. So I guess uh, we're, we strayed a little bit from the routing versus <laughs> speed topic. I guess the, the answer, the, 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 the conclusion we've come to has to be something along the lines of I, uh, both are valuable and that speed can sort of help make up for deficits in routing and consistency, um, but is still exploitable with a good route and with good consistency from the slower player. Is that a... Good thesis statement to yeah, end on. I, think I wouldn't so. argue. And I think it's only gonna, I think it's only gonna evolve as time progresses as well. And I think we should yeah. revisit this topic maybe next season if this is still going and yeah. see how things evolve. There's a, there's a reason there's a reason why this discussion always comes up. There's a reason why commentators always are talking about routing versus speed in the matchup. It's because it's such an integral part of this game, um, and everybody has approaches it from different axes. Um, and everybody sort of has their their ups and downs, and so uh, I think we will be always asking this question, is routing or speed the key to victory? And the answer is, like it always, oftentimes is, it, it depends. That works too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or both. Both is, both is a good, good diplomatic answer. <laughs> All right, well, that unfortunately brings the second episode of first to 13 to a close jeff it has been fantastic having you thank on. you so much a lot of great insight from you um it's it's been fantastic our first division one guest on the podcast um do not forget that there's more super mario sunshine bingo action coming your way in less than 48 hours um, starting over on Bingothon at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Wow. Eastern. Um, lots of matches this week. It is going to be a bumper crop of games. Um, let me see if I can pull up who's playing first. 
you know, the day is going to start off with Linky Haywire. Then we're going to see Bry versus Sid, Dex versus Tom Dollars. It's going to be a big Division That's Three huge. match. All kicks off this Wednesday. We are in the twilight weeks of the league, but the competition could not be any more fierce. Um, uh, definitely not the last week either, um, because we still got week eight after this. Um, be sure to check out sms.bingo for all of the schedules and the standings. Also check out the Discord, sms.bingo slash Discord, where we have a channel for the podcast, as well as lots of other discussion. You can scrim, you can meet the folks playing in the league, you can commentate, all that good stuff, get embedded in this wonderful community. Um, that's going to be all from us here. Um, anything, any final parting words, Tomato, Jeff? Place no, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Um, Place yeah, thank you, thank you so much for having me, both of you. Uh, thank you to just the, everyone with the Bingo League. Like during COVID, it's it's you know life's obviously a little different. Um, and I, this has been a really like amazing distraction and community to be involved in in a time where I can't really like go out and do anything. So I, I just want to say thank you to all of you and the restreamers, commentators, uh, just the competitors. Thank you all so much for just this this really good distraction during the the pandemic and all that you guys are as much as i uh roast people you what you guys are all the best so thank you so much damn what a, what a heartfelt way to i didn't mean to get <laughs> any closing word okay, tomato are you able to follow that up or, or do we do cut we, it here man I don't, I don't have anything i can't top that <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean to get so like deep, but here we, you know, I said it and I won't take it back. No, I think I think it's uh, it, it it's pretty heartwarming. But yep, I'd say all the same things that Jeff said and all yep. over again. Thank you so much for for tuning in. Um, see you guys next week, next Monday for episode three. Um, wherever you get your podcasts, or right here on twitch.tv slash sunshine community. This has been Lego, Tomato, and our special guest, Jeff. Thank you so much for watching, um, and we will see you again real, real soon. See you.